Happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, if you guys remember from last week, we started a new Maybe series just a that was bit. called Eliminates in a Hurry. Oh, no. uh, how many of you guys could resonate Lower. with this video? Lower, I think just a little. Are you guys able to look, hear, hear the video very well? It's this idea that we're going and going and going and we're doing more and more and more things, but it doesn't seem like we're any happier, we're doing any better. And that's what we're talking about this whole series. Last week, we talked about how we said the greatest enemy for spiritual life in our days of life is hurry. Okay? The greatest enemy for a spiritual life in our days is hurry. Okay, how do we know whether this is true or not? We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. And we said what? Love, if we want love in our lives, what is it incompatible with? Hurry. If you're in a hurry, can you be loving? Yeah. It's very, very difficult. Can you be joyful if you're in a hurry? No, you're not in the present. You have to go, 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 go. How about peace? Can you have peace when you're in a hurry? No, the whole, pur the whole purpose of hurry, I mean, not the whole purpose, but how do you feel inside when you're in a hurry? You feel anxious. What's next? What are all the things I gotta do? So you're not gonna have peace either, okay? We talked about how none of these things are actually compatible with hurry. But the thing is, all of us, we want these things in our life. We want to be more loving. We want to have more joy. We want to have more peace. We want to have more patience in our lives. But we don't. But a lot of times we think, oh, I'm not reading the Bible enough. Or I'm not praying hard enough. I'm not spiritual enough. And maybe that might be some of your reasons. But according to Dallas Willard, we talked about again, it's actually hurry. We live in a culture where it constantly puts us in a hurry. And because we're always in a hurry, we cannot, even if we want to, actually achieve these things in our life. Okay? So last week, I gave you a test. Do you guys remember? Oh, do you guys remember I gave you the test hurry sickness? I gave you six different things. And I wanted you, I wanted you last week to think about that. Is your life constantly in a hurry? Do you find yourself, even though maybe you don't think you have hurry sickness, do you find yourself constantly in a hurry? You have to always change lanes. You always have to win. You always feel like you've got to go faster and faster and faster and faster. So that was last week. Then this week, we're going to talk about, okay, what's the solution? What's the solution to our hurry? And that's what we'll get at today. Today's uh, Bible verse is a very, very, very famous Bible verse. It comes in Matthew chapter 11, 28, and 30. But because it's so famous, it's also probably the most misused and misunderstood Bible verse as well. So that's what we'll talk about today. Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can spend a lot of time on, on these verses, uh, but let me just focus on a couple of things. The first thing we see here, it says, come to me and uh, let me see if I get it. Okay, good. It says, come to me, 
all. So what this verse shows us is that this is an invitation to all the people. What does it say? All the people who are weary and burdened. It doesn't say, hey, if you're a religious person, come, right? Or it doesn't say, hey, if you've been coming to church, then you come. Nor does it say, hey, is your life good? Is your family good? Is everything going okay? Are you rich? Are you successful? Then you come. It doesn't say that, does it? It actually says what? Come to me, just every single person. Every single person. Doesn't matter when you're old or young, rich, successful, lazy. Doesn't matter whether you're religious, you're a sinner, you're a righteous person, doesn't matter. This is an invitation to every single one of us in here. But especially, it points out to people who? They are, what? Weary and burdened. So I want you guys to think, am I burdened? Am I, am I, you just hear me? I, I said, I tried to combine both words. Are you weary? Are you weary? Maybe you guys might say, oh, physically I'm all right. I'm not that bad. I, I, I slept really well last night. But how about in your mind? Are you weary? How about some of you guys? Are you burdened? And what are some of your burdens? For those of you guys who are weary, who are burdened, Jesus is calling you. The sermon is for you. Now, for those of you guys who don't feel weary and burdened, maybe life is good right now. Everything is fine. Maybe life is good. You started the new year and everything is positive. That's great. But it's actually more for you too. You know why? Because even if you're not weary and burdened, you need to understand this. Because there will come a time where you feel weary and burdened. And it's much better for you to be prepared now. Okay? It's much better for you to be ready now to know how to deal with your weariness and burdensomeness now rather than actually you being weary and burdened right now. Does that make sense? So for example, is it better to learn how to work the parachute before I get on the plane or after I get on the plane and I'm jumping off? What's better? Before. It's much better for me to learn how to do the parachute before I go on the plane. So I know how to do it when I get there. When I get there. Does that make sense? A lot of people, a lot of people, what they do is, I don't have to worry. Right now, my life is good. Everything is fine. I don't need to have a relationship with God. I'm fine. I don't need to learn about this whole come to Jesus thing. I don't need spiritual thing, prayer thing. I don't need that. But when life is hard, then I'll come to Jesus. But the thing is, that's very difficult. It's like trying to, again, you already jumped off the plane. And you're going and you're like, wait, I don't know how, how this parachute thing works. So it's much better for you, who are not actually weary and burdened, to understand this, so that when you are actually weary and burdened, you know what to do. Either way, this is an invitation to every single person in here. Now, people, whether you are Christian or non-Christian, people love this Bible verse. Okay, they say, I'm, I'm weary, I'm burdened, I have a difficult time. I'll just come to Jesus and everything will be all right. Okay? But it doesn't just end here, right? There's much more to that. And this is why a lot of people don't really experience true rest in Jesus. And this is why, again, 
we're in a hurry constantly. Because we all we hear is just this. What does it say? It doesn't just say, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He ends, but he continues on. What does he say? He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does it not say? It doesn't say, grab a couch, get some popcorn. If you want to rest? You're burdened? Okay. I got a couch for you. I got a nice lazy chair for you. Just sit down and relax. Does it say that? No, it doesn't. What does it say? It says, take my yoke upon you. And what? And to learn. So it, it, is it a passive thing? Is it all we have to do is, God, I have my, uh, I have my uh, weary here. I have my burden here. Okay, I brought them. Leave it. And then I'm good? No, it doesn't say that. It's an active thing. What does it say? It says, take my yoke and learn from me. Again, I have to address this a lot because a lot of Christians, they think, okay, I have an issue. I have a problem. And this, this is with Christians and non-Christians as well. But this is how they normally think. They think, okay, I got issues. I just need to pray and everything will be okay. Or I just need to start coming to church again, church again everything will be okay. Or maybe I just need to pray this one prayer. And then, ta-da, like magic, all my burdens, all my weariness, Everything is just going to disappear. But again, is, G is that what Jesus is saying here? Absolutely not. But I know so many Christians, and maybe some of you guys sitting here, and times in my life where I felt so disappointed with God, but that's only because I have the wrong concept of God. I got the, I got the formula wrong. I only read the first part. Just come to me. Everything will be okay. No, but Jesus doesn't end there, does he? And so you guys have to also understand that as well. Now Jesus is calling you. Yes, every single one of us, he's calling us. But he doesn't just say, come, and that's it. But he says, come so that you can learn to take the yoke and learn from me. So are you guys ready to learn? Yeah? So again, it's not just coming. You have to come, take the yoke, and learn from Jesus. Okay, so what is a yoke? Anybody know what a yoke is? I'll give you a picture. So most of us, we, don't, we have no idea what yoke is because most of us, I'm sure, maybe some of you guys in this room, but most of us, we have not thought. Okay? But this is a yoke right here. Okay? So this is where you put the cow. So as you guys can see, I mean, it, de it, defer, it depends on what kind of yoke you have. But uh, most likely, most uh, biblical scholars think this is the yoke that Jesus is talking about. Okay? What happens is, here. So you see, this is a yoke. So you see, two different cows, they're both together. Yeah? And so what they do is they use it for a lot of different ways. Uh, but obviously, one of the ways is so that they can actually, the cows can actually work together. But not only that, they sometimes use this yoke on a stronger cow and a weaker cow. Okay? Because maybe a, a strong cow or a cow that is mature knows exactly what to do. They plow very well. They don't go here and there and here and there and they go like to the south or to the east. No, they know exactly what they're doing. But they put them with the younger one, why? Because the, the older one or the more mature one or the stronger one can actually guide them together. Does that make sense? It's not just there just to, so that, okay, the stronger, will, stronger one will take all the load 
And the weaker one, you just chill. You just like stay there and you just hang there and do nothing. But again, that's what a lot of Christians, we think. We think, I, I'm not going to do anything. Okay, I'm just going to relax here. Jesus, you do everything. You solve my issues. That's not what Jesus is saying here. And that's why, again, if you, if you look at this, take my yoke upon you. So that's why Jesus says, my yoke. And the second part is saying, learn from me. Learn what? Learn how to deal with weariness. Learn how to deal with burdensomeness. Okay? Learn how to actually deal with life itself. We see a clue within here. He says, for my yoke, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Why does Jesus mention this? Okay. I think, I'm not 100% sure, but for me, how I understand this verse, the reason why Jesus is saying my yoke is light and my yoke is easy is because all of us, whether we like it or not, and whether we know it or not, is that every single one of us, I think Jesus is telling us, that we are already yoked to something else. We're always yoked to something else. So a lot of people think when they hear this phrase like, take my yoke upon you, then you're like, oh, I don't want to be with Jesus. I feel like God is like trying to control my life and I have to go wherever he goes. And I don't really like that concept. But what Jesus is actually trying to say is, if you're not yoked to Jesus, you will always yoke yourself to something else. And that yoke, is always, always hard. And that yoke is always, always way too heavy for you. Okay? So what kind of yoke am I talking about? Let me uh, uh, give you um, a quotation from New York Times. Uh, she's a, she's a, she's a um, Jewish um, journalist. She's not really a, like a Christian or like a religious Jew, but she wanted to go to her roots and study about the Sabbath. Uh, next week we'll talk about the Sabbath more. Uh, but this is what she wrote. Okay? She says, most people mistakenly believe that all you have to do is to stop work, is to do is stop working. Most people mistakenly believe that all you have to do to stop working is not work. That makes sense. Okay? However, so what she's saying is, okay, if you want to relax, what do you do? Again. You lay on the couch, you watch Netflix, or you go on a vacation. You just stop working, like physically, you just stop working. But she's saying, no, no, there's much more than that. Says, However, the machinery of self-censorship must shut down too. Still, the eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. So what is she saying? She's saying, a lot of people think, you want to take a break? You want to rest? You want to slow down? Yeah, you're weary and you're burdened? People think, oh, oh, it's because you're not taking care of yourself enough. Go, go treat yourself. You know, go on a vacation. You know, get away. Stop working. Okay? So they think physically, as long as you physically rest, everything will be fine. But what she's saying here is, no, 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 no. We might be able to stop ourselves physically, like stop resting, but deep inside right here, in our souls, in our hearts, this keeps going. This just keeps going. And so that's why some of, like, I, I could totally resonate with this. I could go on a vacation, but it doesn't matter because my mind is just going and going and going and going. Do you guys know that more and more people nowadays, they have a difficult time sleeping? More and more people. This is, this is getting really, really bad. 
Why? Because again, why? Because they're physically resting, but their mind, they can't. Their heart is just going. Again, we talked about last week how our bodies are just going, going, going. We're in a hurry. Our souls are trying to catch up to us. And because of that, we're constantly going and going and going, even though we really actually need to stop. So this tells us that even though we can rest physically, we still have a restless heart. And this is with a lot of things. For some of us, it's because you feel like the only way I'm going to be successful in this life, the only way I can be somebody is if I make a certain amount of money. That's the only way. For some of us, we go, if only I have this kind of boyfriend or this kind of girlfriend or this kind of wife or this kind of husband or these kind of kids or these kind of relationships, that's the only way I'm going to feel like I am somebody. For some of us, we go, if I only look this way, if I'm only this skinny, or this nice, or this smooth, then I will be accepted. I could go on, on and on and on, yeah? If I get this kind of grades, if I have these kind of parents, if I, if I am honored by these many people. So it just keeps going and going and going and going. Our minds just keep going and going and going and going. It's always restless. Why? Because even though we're physically resting, our souls are not fulfilled. And that's why Jesus says, we're all yoked to something. If we're not yoked to Jesus, we're all yoked to something. And whatever that yoke is, whatever that yoke is for you guys, it's always going to drive you. And it's never going to be stopped. It's never going to stop. It's always going to go. Why? Because it's never enough. Some of you guys, you guys said, remember when you were in high school or college, and you go, if only if I make this much, I'll be happy. And then what happens? You get older, you make this much money, what do you do? Are you satisfied? No. I just make this much. Some of you guys, you're married, and you go, man, if I, or maybe you were dating, and you go, if I could just marry her, someone like her, someone like him, I'm good. Or if I have kids, I'll be good. But what happens? It's not satisfying. It's not enough. It just drives you more and more and more and more. And you want more and more and more and more. It's just never enough. And so, because of that, it's always driving us. It's like all of us, imagine being, imagine being yoked with a crazy, like a bull. Can you imagine that? Like you want to stop, but you can't. You want to take a rest, but you can't. Can you imagine how much burdening it would be? How heavy it would be? Again, this is what Jesus is trying to point out to every single one of us. He's saying, if you don't yoke yourself to me, it's always going to drive you. If God is not at the center of your life, basically, whatever it is, even though it might be good things, like family or children, or career. Those are not necessarily bad things. But if that's your main drive in life, they will crush you. They will always disappoint you. Again, that's why Jesus says, if you look at look at these things, again, that's why he says what? I am gentle. Why does he need to mention that? Because he's telling us, he's reminding us of how harsh our 
other cows, other yolks actually lost. He's telling us he's humble, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light for us. Again, he's continuing to remind us to take on his yoke instead, to learn from him instead. Because the way we're doing life, it's going to drive us off the And it's not the same. So, again, for this series, it's very, I'm always going to leave you kind of like cliffhanging, okay? Because this is a series, and uh, again, this is a big problem for a lot of us. And I can't solve this issue just in one sermon. We've got to talk about different things. So next week, or continuing on with this series, we're going to really try to learn from him. Okay, today is more understanding that we're yoked to something. That we have something else is driving us instead of Jesus. And that's why we're always so weary and burdened. But now we're going to get to how do we actually learn to take Jesus' yoke? And what do we actually need to learn from him? Let me give you uh, this example, and then um, we'll continue on. Um, so I've been on a diet for forever, as, as, as soon as I was born. Um, but one of the things I've been, I've been actually trying to do is, instead of just like trying to exercise or trying to like, eat less, so my goal in life was always, I just want to have a flat stomach. Okay, that's it, that's all I want, just a flat stomach, that's it. It's very, very difficult. This is the last place I lose weight. As you see with Kurumi, it's like, <laughs> poor Kurumi, he's facing at me. Um, but these days, I actually started to, um, instead of just, you know, I'll lose weight when I lose weight, but I'm going to try to gain a lot of muscle. Because a lot of like science these days is all about resistance training. Okay, that the more muscle you have, the more resistance training you do, then uh, the more fat loss you're, you're going to have. Whatever, whatever, whatever. So I've been working out a lot. And so because of that, before, whenever I would see, I was going to show you pictures of like people with like six packs and stuff like that, but I don't want to. So, because I don't want to distract you, okay? So you, you see like those people, right? And you go, man, they look so nice, they look so good. And I, I used to think that, but now, now that I'm exercising and working out, now I don't just say, wow, they look nice, but now I go, my goodness. These people, like, that's not easy, okay? Just because, like, you, like, lift, I work out, like, six times a week, okay? And I'm not even close to looking like them. So for them, like, it must have taken, like, years and years of, like, strict exercise and to actually exercise and to have a good diet. Does that make sense? That, like, that's not easy to... Be like that. Look like that. It, it takes a lot of sacrifice. And so, what I realized is a lot of us, including myself, like I, I want that person's body style or body. That person's body. I want that person's body. Yeah. But I realize I'm not really willing to have that body's lifestyle. Does that make sense? That's very different, yeah? I want his body, 
I don't want his lifestyle. Because, like, the six packs and everything, I was reading, like, interview on, like, what they can eat and what they can't eat. And if you want to look like that, you got to be at a certain body percentage. And, like, like you can't go out. Like, you can't eat, you can't cheat, you can't do anything. You basically have to eat, like, grass and, like, <laughs> um, 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 uh, breast, chicken breast. Like, that's basically all you can eat. It's the same thing. Some of you guys, you see, like, K-pop stars, and you go, oh, my goodness, she's so skinny. I want to be just like her. Like, do you know what they eat? Do you know what kind of schedule they have? So, again, isn't that amazing that we see people who are successful, and we go, we want that. I want that. Who doesn't want that? But we're not willing to actually change our lifestyle. Does that make sense? That's very different. And I think that's very similar to how we are. We look at Jesus. And all of us, we go, of course, I want more love in my life. Of course, I want more joy in my life. Of course, I want more peace in my life. Of course, I want to be more patient. I want more self-control. But are we actually willing to be like Jesus does? To have the lifestyle that Jesus actually has? Because there, that's very different. A lot of us, we go, God, again, it's like magic. We just like rub rub the rub the lamp and we go, God, I pray to you. I said make me more loving, more patient. How come you're not doing this? That's like again saying, Hey, how come I'm not getting six pack? I prayed for six pack, how come I'm not getting six pack? You know, you go, oh you have to exercise. No, you gotta watch what you eat. So why is it different from us? Why do we just think that naturally that all we have to do is come to Jesus and everything will be fine? Again, Jesus is calling each and every one of us. No, we have to learn to keep his yoke and to actually learn from Jesus. And actually, not just learn from him, not just know it right here, but to actually live the lifestyle that Jesus actually lived. And if we could do that, then we would start to see there is more love, there is more joy, there is more patience in our life. Starting next week, we're going to start to see how did Jesus live his life? What are some of the disciplines? What are some of the patterns that we see within his life? What did he do? Even though he was such in a hurry that he was able to stop, he was able to be loving. Can we do that too? Last story, and I'll end. If I can find my piece. Uh, in the 1500s, there were two um, Christians who were persecuted. And they were uh, crucified, or they were not crucified, sorry. They were burned at the stake, so they were burned to death. Uh, the two people were Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Riley, and they were uh, burned at the stake for their faith. Okay, and uh, um, Hugh Latimer, they're being, both being burned, and he said to uh, Nicholas uh, Riley, and this is a very famous line, he said, Nicholas, be cheery of heart. Be cheery of heart. They're burning to death. He says, be cheery of heart. Because soon, we will see Jesus. Okay? What they're saying is, this is hard. This is difficult. We're dying right now. But guess what? Once we die, we open our eyes, we're going to see Jesus. So these two, they're dying for their faith. And 
There's a lot of peace. There's a lot of joy, even though they died. But you know who didn't die like that? It was actually Jesus. You know, Jesus did not, he's not the only one who was crucified. He was not the only one who was martyred for his faith. There's a lot of people who died much more with peace. But Jesus didn't. Do you know what Jesus did before he died? He said, he was shouting. He was saying, my God, my God. He died with deep anxiety, deep restlessness. He said, my God, my God, why are you persecuting me? Do you know why Jesus is dying like that? It's for us. The whole point Jesus is dying on the cross is so that we can have true deep peace. So that Hugh Latimer and Riley, when they're dying, they can actually die with peace. That they don't, even though things get crazy, they can still take up on this yoke and learn to have true soul rest. Basically what I'm trying to say is Jesus didn't have rest on the cross so that we can actually have rest for our soul. But there was a cross Throughout this series, we're going to learn how to actually experience that rest. So I pray that all of us, we understand what is driving us. We don't have to be driven by those things anymore. Instead, we can learn to take off the yoke that we have, to yoke ourselves with Jesus, who is gentle and humble. And to know that we will find rest for ourselves. That's going to kind of